Greetings again, friends, and welcome in for mile 26 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast presented by Run In. I am Travis, alongside my trusty co-host, Benjamin. Benji, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Still amazed we're doing this almost a year later. Man, people said we wouldn't last. They did. But we have been through thick and thin. You can let go of my hand now. (laughs) Okay, I'll do that. Coming up shortly here on the program, we have a great interview with Coach Marie Kernell of St. Joseph's Catholic High School here in Greenville, South Carolina. She gives some insights on the culture of her team. They have been dominant in small school cross country here in South Carolina for over a decade of state championships. And we didn't get into the nuts and bolts so much as an overview of what it means to be a part of her team and her program and what they value. So we're really looking forward to bringing that to you shortly. Before we get there, Benji's going to share some thoughts on the big events that have happened in the world of running since we last talked to you. And before we do that, I thought also, Ben and I, maybe we could share some thoughts on some of the best teams we've ever been a part of, what made them special, the one or two things that made those moments in our lives unique and successful. So Benny, think about the best team you've been a part of, athlete, coach, whatever the situation was. What was special about the culture there? Yeah, so my fifth year of college. um, Fifth of seven. Yeah, thanks. Mm -hmm. Uh, My fifth year at North Greenville was my final cross-country season. You talk about culture. Our literal team slogan that year was changing the culture. Mm. The prior year, the cross-country team had finished seventh in the conference, which was the worst finish in team history. Yeah. And after that, we had a sit-down meeting as soon as getting off off of the bus after the race, and we just promised each other we'd never let something like that happen again. And so that whole fall, we ate every meal together, ran together every single day, and we ended up finishing third at conference, which was our highest team finish. We ended up averaging 26.41 for 8K as a team. And the year before, the fastest runner on the team had ran 26.42. Oh, nice. So we had just completely flipped the script and bought in and It was just really special how much us eight guys cared for each other. You mentioned buy-in right there, and it was in reference to you and your teammates. Because the point I was going to make is the best teams that I've been involved with, the athletes on the team cared as much or more than the coach did. Mm -hmm. The coach, or in my case me, didn't have to drive people. I didn't have to be the source of motivation. While I wanted to foster that and create an environment where people wanted to be successful, we were best when we got to a point when the guys who got on the line together wanted it so bad. They were willing to sacrifice together, as you mentioned, to be the best they could be and have one of those incredible seasons. And for me, I remember the end of that season the very last moment, we had a great race, a state championship race, but what I vividly remember is the group of seniors running away from the team camp afterwards together to cool down, and uh, that image is just emblazoned in my mind of 
kind of the end of this moment uh, of a season that was so special that they were taking away with them. And it would never be the same going forward, but then it gave somebody else the opportunity to step up and care about teammates, care about the program and the culture and carry the torch into the next season. And uh, Coach Cornell's going to get into some some great points from her success there at St. Joe's that I think anyone can apply as a runner in, maybe it's just you're running on your own even. Maybe you're a member of a team or a coach. Maybe you're just in a group of guys, uh, girls who like to run together and want to push each other to, to get better as well. Or in your job, your business, whatever you do. So much of everything we do is working with people, and she has some cool insights on what creates the framework of their program. Benny. Yes, sir. Tell the people what in the world has happened. It's been a few weeks. Life has happened since then. What's going on in the world of track, road racing? I don't even know. Tell me. Yeah, well, this past weekend, we had the U.S. Indoor Track and Field Championships. Absolutely. And we saw incredible performances. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite races to watch and that I got excited for was the men's two mile, um, which oddly enough was contested in two different sections. Mm -hmm. And it was one from what was seated as the slower section. Drew Hunter, he's one of the 10 man elite we talk about so many times on this show. 21 year old, just went straight to the front in his first heat. I had some teammates pull him along through halfway, blasted home a 409 last mile and the guys in the faster heat later in the day just thought they all had the biggest wheels. Didn't run fast enough to beat his time. So time on the board, Drew wins. A couple points to that. What was so amazing about that is, one, you mentioned he had teammates to help pace him, but they didn't give him that much help, really, because of how he had to negative split the race Big to time. get that time. So they put him in position, but but he had to do so much work on his own in the second half of that race. Right? I do wonder for a runner like Hunter if that does kind of favor him running a negative split two mile, or if he was getting dragged out four oh eight or something. Yeah, sure, fitting of his race. style that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, but I'm just thinking that he took a, a pretty big negative split, so he <laughs> had to work hard in that second mile. Definitely. Also, the time, as you said, is on the board. Everybody in the second heat has the advantage of knowing what they have to do. Right. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is hit this number, and no one did it. There's nothing tactical to that, and nobody could do it. Drew Hunter has certainly been to some degree burdened with expectations from the American public. We don't know Drew and how he handles that internally, but coming out of high school with what he did as a high school athlete, sub four minute miler, going straight to the pros, skipping over his college experience, getting into the 10 man group, which has been the focus of so much attention recently. And this just builds i think for him as you said he is how old 21 he is 21 he is still a young pup right (laughs) there is so much left for him in his career and so much room to grow but he's starting to build a little bit there in the trophy case and that was a really neat performance to see him again from the first heat go out and win a national title in the two mile Okay, that was number one. What else we got? Closing things up on the men's side from that weekend is the dominance of the Oregon Project in the middle distance events. Yep. You had Donovan Brazier setting a world's best in the 600 meter. Yep. 
Clayton Murphy taking home the title in the 1K. Yep. And Craig Ingalls getting his first U.S. national title in the mile. Three guys who trained together out there in Portland at 600, 1,000, and the mile. I have always enjoyed at indoor championship meets like that, seeing races at off distances that we're not used to seeing. Definitely. You and I have debated a little bit back and forth recently about what could we do in the in the K. If 1,000 meters became a race that everybody wanted to run, how fast could we do it? And it's fun to see them in these off distances. I think it works great within their training cycle as they prepare for outdoor Donovan Brazier, the guy was hurt not long ago. Seriously hurt, right? He's only been running for a few weeks. He yes. started mid-January. I mean, and he is just out there flying. Clayton Murphy looks like he's rounding back into form. What's fun about his race is this is one of the few where we didn't, you almost left unfulfilled because we didn't break some sort of American or world record because there were so many record-breaking performances. But it was Clayton Murphy running as Clayton Murphy has when he's at his best. Yes. Racing to win, closing really hard. And Craig Ingalls, looking beautiful as always in the mile, NOP dominance. Very good. Give me number three. What else happened? Number three had to be that women's 600-meter American record. Yes. 16-year-old Athian Mew. It was shocking. I, as I watched the race, I, I believe, if I set this up right, in prelims, when I watched previously, she broke the high school yes, record, right? she did. When she came through and broke this record in the 600 in the final, I can't remember who it was. It was like the second or third place finisher was caught on camera, like on the edge of the screen, looking at the times as they came up on the board and you literally just saw this woman's jaw drop like in (laughs) awe of oh my gosh that just happened it was breathtaking performance so it was raven rogers in second right it was been a dominant middle distance runner in her own right at the collegiate level yes and uh, so whoever came in third was on the screens whoa i can't believe that just happened 16 years old unbelievable talk about a future for her i hope that she can enjoy that moment we've seen i'll take maybe like a mary kane in recent years so much hype for a young runner but hopefully we can see in this case a runner grow and improve and not immediately have pressure on what are you going to do in an olympic cycle coming up she has plenty of space to grow as a runner Okay, uh, we'll get out of U.S. Indoor then, and anything else, Ben? I just got to throw this out. Hit me. Because it's our beautiful boy. Yes. Julian Wanders. Yeah. <laughs> setting a new world record in the Road 5K. The softest, most farcical world record currently contested. It is true there were both men's and women's Road 5K world records set in Monaco. With that said, this is a record that was how old? How long have they been keeping track of this? Oh, gosh, I don't even know. It's less than new. two years, yes. yeah. So it, there have been faster 5Ks. And if you watch the race, you can get the race on, uh, you can check it out on YouTube. It's been mm-hmm. uploaded. He starts to fade late. Well, he did have the flu. 
I was going to say. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you got excited there. He was coming off just over a week earlier, a European record in the road half marathon, right? And he was sick. So it is a pretty good performance. What was the number? 1329. 1320. I mean, I'd take it, I yeah. guess. It's a good two mile. But hey, Julian's got another record, so good for him. Anything else that people missed over the past couple of weeks? Our very own James Quattlebaum setting a brand new state record in the half marathon at this weekend's Prisma Half. I was going to wrap with that one too, so good. The formerly Greenville Health Systems Swamp Rabbit Half Marathon, now the Prisma Health Half Marathon on the beautiful and scenic Swamp Rabbit Trail betwixt Traveler's Rest and downtown Greenville. Mr. Quattlebaum in a great advertisement for Seconds Flat Coaching, a member of our stable of athletes, <laughs> set the fastest time run by a South Carolinian in South Carolina, I believe is how that record works, correct? Yes. 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 He ran 105.33 point something. Something. Yeah. So great performance for him. Big time PR, few minutes PR there. Four minutes. Yeah, something he's like that. he's rounding into form. Previous halves, he hadn't really been challenged quite the same way, and there was a nice lead pack of runners there. Quite a few Absolutely. guys. Ricky Flynn, who we've had on the show, great local runner. Brett Morley, successful local runner. Some out of the area influence as well. So it was an exciting morning and a muddy, sloppy finish to the half, but. Mm-hmm. Well done for our man Jimmy, and look forward to seeing him on the track here coming up soon. On that, we will stay local with Coach Cornell from St. Joe's, so we'll bring you now the interview I recorded with her earlier this week. We are excited to welcome in Marie Cornell, the head coach at St. Joseph's High School here in Greenville, winners of 11 consecutive girls' state cross-country championships. Marie, welcome in. Thank you. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Great. We are going to dive more into what it takes to build a championship culture. It's not just about workouts and miles. There's a lot more that goes into building a team. And before we do that, could you give a little background of yourself before you got to St. Joe's? What got you into running? Those kind of things. Okay. Sure. I have um, never been on a team before. I've never co- had never coached before prior to St. Joe's. I have a degree in counseling and psychology, have a varied career background of meeting planner, fitness instructor, private um, coach. And we came to Greenville because of my husband's job. My daughter went to St. Joe's. I started teaching part-time. So prior to St. Joe's, never ran except for fun. And was not on a team, didn't coach. Um, So this was all new to me when I moved here. One of the beauties of being new to the sport, like you just said, is it doesn't get you boxed into a framework of what your coach maybe did for you that did or didn't work. It allows you to explore and learn and figure out what works for the kids who you're with. Mm -hmm. And uh, in some ways, I'm thankful for that in my own career as well, having to figure things out from scratch to some degree, taking over. So what did it look like? You take over the team, first start out. What are you getting into? 
I'm getting into uh, something that I'd never done before, but I was excited because I love the sport of running and I love teaching. And so this afforded me the opportunity to do something new. I was 50 years old and trying out a whole new career, which was awesome. I came into a very small team, um, lots of injuries, pages of injuries from the prior year. So my main goal for the first year was to cut down on injuries. Mm -hmm. I had no other thoughts of anything of winning, of of just just let's get healthy healthy and make it through every practice and through the end of the season as healthy as we can be. So that may have been one of the biggest challenges that you faced. Every situation, every coach comes into a situation knowing there are certain obstacles they might face in, in their place. And often we get hung up on the things that are barriers to success yes rather than embracing the factors that we have that could really benefit us what did you see from the beginning even though you had kids with a lot of injuries that maybe gave you a thought of okay down the road we could be successful I guess my background in fitness and I took the opportunity with that to just get them fit instead of thinking about winning a state championship Starting from health and healthy yes. lifestyle yes. and then building runners yes. from there. I, the tenants that I wanted them to get were nutrition, mm-hmm. sleep, yeah, and in fitness. Yeah. And so we, that's what I started out with at the very beginning. I asked them to do a food diary to see what they were eating, what they weren't eating. Mm-hmm. Very telling, a food diary of a teenage girl yeah, yeah. for five days. Yeah. So... That's what I was fo- my main focus. So I took the opportunity to teach them about nutrition, about fitness, about the benefits of sleep. What do you, if you remember from that? What did you find out about sleep? Do you have any idea how little yes. probably that they were sleeping exactly. with those? Yes, St. Joe's is a rigorous curriculum. So in general, they were, you know, studying until sometimes wee hours of the morning. Yeah, and so. That was a great opportunity to teach them. I'm a psychology background, so I love studies and teaching them about that, the benefits of sleep and everything that that entails. You know, it's it's your your mental health besides your physical health and emotional. And teenage girls are emotional for many reasons. And Yeah, we've talked on here before that I think after running – the next most important variable in being a good runner is probably sleeping enough. Yes. Uh, time to recover. As you said, we first think physically because the adaptations that occur while you sleep, but you mentioned mentally and emotionally mm-hmm. the, the value that comes from from sleep. Yeah, that as a high schooler, it can be really difficult to, yes, to get I that. Agree. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Uh, so you take over, we get things started, we're looking at getting people healthy more balanced, maybe, approach to running? And, and what were the values then that you decided to, to build the program around, bigger than just running, but the, what is going to become the cornerstones of success for St. Joe's? I think because I never was coached or was a coach prior to coming to St. Joe's, I took it from a more holistic approach and gave them five tenets. And number one was God came first in their life, family was second, school was third, 
and then came cross country. Mm-hmm. So, and I built my program around that. If God, if you put God first in your life, and then your family comes, and then you do school, and then cross country is, is gravy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Easy to say, mm-hmm. right? Can be more difficult to execute. Right. Have we been in situations where you had to sacrifice practice, a meet, a, a big event because of one of those other things that you said on that list comes first before cross country? Yes, Can every you, year. And, and so um, what kind of examples do you think about there? And, and, and how do you, on a kind of maybe case-by-case basis, talk through that with a kid and help them make those decisions? Well, if it has something to do with family... That's the utmost importance. Um, and I do really take it a case case by case and try to be fair. I try to, I have to let them live their lives because that's what I've told them that that's most important. But at the same time, I teach them how important it is to be a team member, whether they're number one or they're number 44. Kind of talk them through the situation a lot of times in middle school and high school, it's their parents who make the decision. Sure. And I always 100% defer to the parents' decision. Cross country is fun, especially in middle school and high school. And I don't want it to be a stressor in their life because mm-hmm. they have enough stressors. Sure. So at pretty much all cost, it's all about that child at that moment and the best decision for them. Mm-hmm. Okay, you hit on a lot of stuff there that I think is great in in culture building. One, if we're going to set these standards for what's important to us, we have to live by it. Yes. Right? Two, accountability, though. Yes. As well. And then three, maybe the biggest one, fun. Right. Make it something you can enjoy. Mm -hmm. I think that's transferable regardless of the situation that any team member or coach could be in. If you're going to set values, we live by them. We're going to hold each other accountable, and we're going to have a lot of fun right. while we're doing exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, those are three pretty good ingredients and, for success. And I think as a coach, if you have their respect, then you're going to get their accountability. And then you, over time, they know what decision is right. Sometimes they don't have to ask me. They yeah. make the decision. And what, what do you think in earning the respect of a young athlete – what, what goes into that? I think we all realize it's not just from saying, showing up at practice and saying, you have to respect me because I'm your coach. Mm-hmm. What's critical in developing that relationship? I think being open mm-hmm. and honest, showing them by doing. And mm-hmm. um, we have an open door policy. We have a prayer circle, we call it at the end of every practice. And Everybody just talks about what's on their mind and who we need to pray for, and I do it as well. And so that vulnerability. Yeah. you got to have a lot of trust in that, right? Mm -hmm. So I think building that trust, and they don't want to let each other down. Mm -hmm. So caring about one another, Mm -hmm. showing you care about them, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and an environment of trust. Right. Yeah. Yeah, those are beautiful things. How do you try to communicate some of those things to your athletes? And you talked about an environment of openness. And I think that in any endeavor in coaching, but also in 
the job of anyone who's listening, communicating with people is paramount. Number uh, one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so what goes into your, if you want to say leadership or communication style, and and what do you want to convey to your athletes, both in in the way you convey, but also the actual messages that you're conveying. Each year, I choose um, a theme, if you will. So, for example, this year, it's mindfulness and gratefulness. Oh, fantastic. And so we just, you know, I touch on that and just teach them what mindfulness is. They don't to maybe not know what it is and how being mindful leads to being grateful. And then that leads to being a much happier person. Yeah. A lot of things that I teach them apply to life school family friends Um, I tell them it's not all just pertinent to cross-country and so every day before practice I'll have a quote for them or um, a bible verse or now we're on to mindful and grateful and how they can bring that into their lives and and then I share with them how I how I've done it and what and I told them you know I'm mindful every day about what I'm, what we're going to do at practice. And I'm so grateful that I have them in their, my lives and, Mm -hmm. you know, just try to teach them that loving and caring and goes long ways. So, yeah. An approach of gratitude in everything you do can Mm -hmm. be a wonderful thing, particularly for a runner thinking about the incredibly challenging action that they're taking part in, right? Trying to run 5k, really fast or on the track a mile or or two miles really fast you're putting your body and mind through an incredible challenge and being able to shift that and approach it with some gratitude and approach all the people around you doing the same thing with gratitude I think is a wonderful perspective there that's really neat and it's as you said so much bigger than just running Mm, right right I mean in this world it's there's so much negative and when you think about you're wanting more, you're praying for more, you're, everything's sad. If we just tend to be more grateful, I think they're happier people. Mm-hmm. And I've taught them, you know, you just three, three things that you're grateful for. And let's talk about that. That's cool. How have you incorporated the larger community there at St. Joe's into this program? Because you said you started off with a pretty small group. Yes. And it's become a really big group. Yeah. I've had the opportunity to meet a few of the people involved in that group, and they seem to be very supportive and very much enjoying their part of the the team. So what have you done, whether it's family, friends, the bigger community, to make this about more than just a group of kids running around. The beauty of cross country, well, for me, is I can have as many people on the team as I want, as many students that, that want to <laughs> run. We don't have to cut as right. basketball or volleyball or whatever. And so I think that has gotten out there, and they know that I treat the number one runner just as special as the number 44 runner. We had 44 this year. And I, I just think over time they... And the kids are, you know, they're having fun doing it, Mm -hmm. and they're sharing that with their friends, and it doesn't hurt to win a state title. Sure. And they can see how exciting that is. And But, yeah, that's pretty much, 
I think our yeah. reputation. Sure, right. So the success um, breeds some interest, but also that enthusiasm. And just being a part of a team and knowing mm-hmm. that they can be a part of a team and not worry about they're not going to run the fastest. Right. Um, but they're still very important part of the team. And to wear that St. Joe's cross-country t-shirt or sweatshirt and just think that just has bred really good culture for us. Cool. Yeah, we do have a little fun. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's the way it should be. So um, going off course here a little bit, but I know sometimes we'll see programs that have a workout during the year that they go back to all the time. That's something that people know that they do, and it kind of draws people together and challenge myself. What did I do on this last year? Or what did teams in the past do? And maybe it's just some hill that they have that they run up, or it's some repetition that they do. Anything like that that's built up a tradition for you guys? I would say it was our hill workouts. Okay. And we've done that from since day one. Hill workouts are I tell them it's our secret weapon, and they love that because our, our course affords us three great hills to run on. Mm-hmm. So they would, I think they would say, and I would say it's our hill workout. So getting to use that from your home course yes. during practice. Yes. Uh, for the people who haven't been there, what do the three hills look like? Can you give a, a yes. rough idea? We have a, a three-loop course. We start and stop on the football field, and there's three hills per loop mm-hmm. one's a long slower longer hill one's very steep and one's through the woods oh cool so you get so, a little bit yeah, of everything exactly so yeah. you guys do repeats on that mm-hmm. kind of stuff yes. or yeah and then like we did repeats on the uh, steep hill today okay they love them because if you tell them why you're doing something and how beneficial it is and it's giving them an edge over their competition they will work so hard and then it gives them the confidence after every meet I've had several girls at different times come and say coach that hill workout that that put me over the edge thank you yeah you know I talk a lot about mental toughness too sure because cross country is in my opinion mm-hmm. 75% mentally tough I, and so but the hill workouts are a mental toughness workout besides the the physical part and a confidence builder, I would say, because yes. you've communicated to mm-hmm. them that yes. whether it is the secret weapon or not, that is how we perceive it then right. because of uh, that expectation. Any favorite moments you can think of from your time there that epitomize what it means to be a part of the team and where that culture can show through? I think the state champions do kind of play into that because I'm so proud of them. They're humble and they are very caring about all the other teams. I think it's taught them to be humble. Mm-hmm. And I'm so proud of how they, I, I'll hear from other people and then I'll hear on the cross country course, oh, those St. Joe's girls, they're awesome on and off the field. And Has it been at all difficult? You talked about the humility that comes from winning a championship. But when you start a new season and maybe people on the outside might try to put a little weight on your shoulders saying, can they continue to mm-hmm. keep this string going? The challenge of resetting with a new group each year and shooting for that same target. Now, how has that been difficult? And how have you tried to make each one its own entity that can try to achieve something special for that group of girls? 
I'm very competitive as as an individual. <laughs> so that comes into play a little bit at the beginning of every, every season. I also think about when we win a state championship, we're bringing um, some notoriety to St. Joe's, some proudness to the whole St. Joe's community. So yes, it's ner- it's I get nervous beginning every season. So I guess I'll go back to the very beginning. When we when I the first year we coached, I coached, we were state runners up, and I thought, oh my gosh, we I didn't know we we could do this. That's pretty great. <laughs> I know. So I'm like, let's shoot for the whole thing next year, yeah. which brings me to goal setting, and I teach the girls goals talk about goal setting, and yeah. So every year it's it's a little nerve wracking, but then we are humbled right off the bat. We don't win that many races. Because we compete with mostly schools that are above us mm-hmm. and through 5A. Yeah, so much bigger schools. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we give them competition or right. take them to bigger meets all year long so they have some competition. And sure. I think that makes them better. So And we're always in the elite race if there's two choices. Mm-hmm. Um, we put them in there. So we don't win very much. One year, two years ago, we didn't win anything until the state championship. Until the one that mattered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, when it comes down to it, they they always pull through. Mm-hmm. So to that note then, maybe if you could think about the best team you've had, is there any one thing or maybe just a few things that immediately come to, to mind as defining what that team was about, what made them so great? Not just that you had a really fast group of kids. Mm-hmm. But what made them special at a different level than all these other championship teams that you've had? Every year, you're, you, as a coach, I think, oh, there's never going to be a team that is mm-hmm. as special as this one because they're all special in their own way. I want to say, and not that they were any more special, but we won Greenville County one year mm-hmm. <laughs> and totally blew me out of the water because Right, because you're going against a bunch of really big schools. Yes, yeah. yeah. And I didn't know that it was that big of a, a meet, because that's how naive I was. I didn't know anything yeah. what I was doing. I didn't put them in that race for several years. And then we go, and then we win it. Yeah. So I had some superstars, if you will, on that team. That's probably the team, just because that's who I started out with. They helped me be the coach that I am today, I mm-hmm. think, just with their – they were smart and – kind and good kids yeah so the qualities off the course maybe are made the what yeah. what made them unique mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. okay so looking back on all the success you've had what ingredients do you think uh, have been so important that could be transferable into other settings right obviously accountability values fun those are things you can translate into whatever team you're on, but it doesn't even have to be running, right? They're bigger things for life. Any other things that you see from the success at St. Joe's that you could say, I take this into my life and every other aspect, or my family can apply this, that all the kids will take this long after they're gone here and they're out in the real world having incredible careers. What are you instilling here in high school and middle school that that goes and creates success everywhere? I think I teach them the importance of kindness, the importance of 
being inclusive, hmm. the importance of being a good person. Every like all the lessons that I teach them, they can take out yeah. and apply it to anywhere. I would say from your response right there, you talked about the humility that comes from a championship. And I think that might come from the top down too, by the way you answer yeah. some of these questions, because it's it's no guarantee you're going to go out and win the next one. No. And, and you can understand that and at your position and being able to translate that to someone is important in any endeavor in life. After we have some success, sometimes we have to get kicked in the face a little bit to come back down to earth. It's kind of scary. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that often those moments are what make us appreciate the success so much too. The the trials that come along with it. It's like you said, you won a state championship with a team that didn't win a meet throughout the course of the year, but they were certainly battle tested. Mm -hmm. Any just favorite moments in general you have? This is our culture. This is who we are. This is why I love being around this team. We always spend the night before the state championship in Columbia, mm-hmm. and we have a tradition of running the course together, having dinner, having a craft, and then having a team meeting, and we ex- dance. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So. Um, Anything in particular you dance to? Whatever they want to dance to. Okay. Because it's just them, and I let them choose. Yeah. Usually the captain. But, yeah, yeah so we have a dance party. Nice. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's and, fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think just to get their nerves out because they're nervous. Yeah, and, natural. Yes. And my other one, maybe not a favorite moment, but one that sticks out, all seven were crying on the start line four years ago at the state meet. It's like, oh, my gosh, I failed. What am I doing? What are you doing? Stop crying. <laughs> Tears of... Nervousness. Yeah. Fear of failure. Since you mentioned that, how do you try to twist fear of failure and make it enthusiasm for opportunity yes i tell them if you give me a hundred percent out there i'll be happy with whatever yeah because it's natural to be nervous i had a runner who would throw up before every single race she was my number one or number two runner Mm -hmm. switch back and forth um so there's always going to be some nerves but your mind has a memory and i feel like if you just tell them over and over that they're great they've worked hard in every practice and to keep remembering that we we also I teach them visualization and that has helped with their race nerves and just work on their Mm self-confidence but it you have to keep at it (laughs) yeah so I just got this mental image of we've all seen the coach at the race who's screaming at the kids that they're not running fast enough Right. right yes I'd like to know what kind of things you're saying to a kid who runs by you during a race. Because my suspicion is you're not screaming that kind of stuff at them. But no, no. Uh, And they've thanked me for that. Yeah, because um, I know it doesn't help me. No. I'm working my butt off, right? At one point, they were like, Coach, thank you so much for not yelling at us like so-and-so yells at, mm. at her team or his team. You're out there working as hard as you can work what would yelling at you yeah i will never yell at you what i yell at them is you look better than the one right in front of you yeah yeah <laughs> passer passer yeah. good job you look great you look strong anything like that just like mm-hmm. you know you look strong go but never yell not to that note there is real research on the value of 
telling someone they look, say, relaxed, mm-hmm. and then them feeling more relaxed mm-hmm. while they run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you say it, as you said, maybe you got one that... We might be one point away from a state title here. Right. And if your girl has that confidence to right. go, yeah. that's a beautiful yeah. thing. And we talk about that at practice. I'm mean, like, I see the people in front of you, and I see you. And if I say, you look like you can move a little faster, then I know you can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we we talk about that in practice, and but it's all positive yeah. on the course. And they have to... And turn again to come full circle, trust you that that's an honest assessment or a motivational assessment of the situation that they're in mm-hmm. as a runner. Right. Tell them, you know, I know fitness. I know you. I know what we've done. Trust me that I know that you've put everything into what you can do to make this race the best that you can make it. And we talk, we do mental toughness exercises and talk about that a lot. That's been really changed changed for them Mm. talk a little bit about left brain right brain Mm. and and the capabilities of those and they're smart kids you have to teach them why they're doing something or what will make them a better faster stronger runner Mm. do you carve out some time Mm -hmm. at at practice every day or on certain occasions Uh, is that normally something you do before or after especially um just for example the hill running that i'll go through some studies about not maybe one study but you know tell them i've read studies and this is why we do hill workouts Mm -hmm. this these are the benefits and they're like oh yeah yeah tell them why you're doing it and i tell them too i would not I won't have you do anything that I wouldn't do myself. Yeah. None of this is busy work. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, it takes me back to we did an episode for the beginning of the year in setting running resolutions for 2019. Goals that anybody, any level of runner could set. And uh, one of the things I said in crafting a training plan is know why you're doing what you're doing when you're doing it. And it sounds as if that is a key point in your plan as yes. well. And then, moreover, communicating that to your athletes so they understand it. Right. You might know what they're doing, but the kids might not. Exactly. So give them the reason, and they'll go after it. Okay. Real quick, a couple things here to wrap up. Yeah. Back to your sleep. How much are you sleeping per night on average, do you think? Nine oh, hours. Oh, good number. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. After a race ends in your running, what's the first like craving that you have, the thing you want to go eat after you've expended a lot of energy? A beer. A beer. <laughs> that's for you, not no. the kids. Yes. Um, <laughs> peanut butter and jelly. Oh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seriously, it is. Yeah. That's, I love peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Favorite race that you've participated in, maybe something that comes to mind that I loved that one. The half marathon on Kiowa Island because my 80-year-old father and my 26-year-old daughter and I all ran it together. Very fun. So three generations. mm -hmm. Yep. So that was probably the best. And my I only I've only run one marathon and that was where was that? St. Louis. Oh, cool. Okay. And that was because I I set a goal. I'm like I'm not. I'm a, I have a five-year-old at home. Mm-hmm. I'm not working. I need a goal. So I'm like, hey, let, I'll run a marathon. Yeah. So ran a marathon. 
And then you said you'd had enough and didn't want to do another exactly, one. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I love half marathons <laughs> and, and are lower. <laughs> yeah. You can bounce shorter. back a little yeah, quicker on, yes, on that yes, stuff. Yes. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. For local listeners, other than say having your team on your course, that kind of stuff, what's your favorite place to run around this area? If you're just going to go out on a run and nice place to, to go out and explore. Conesty Park. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great I spot. run on the Swamp Rabbit Trail a lot because it's convenient to where I live. Yeah. And I love it. Track season is getting underway here. Yes. Time mm-hmm. to get going. Yes. What are you most excited about as another season kicks off? Because um, I haven't coached it for four, five years. Mm-hmm. I started the track team at St. Joe's. The AD came to me and she's like, we have to start a track team. And I want you to be the head coach. And I said, I've never been to a track meet. <laughs> and she said, but you're really good at coaching, so you have to start the team. So I'm excited to be back on the track because it's, it's fun. Yeah. It's exciting. Oh. It's so different than cross country. And yeah, sure. looking forward to um, seeing what my, my middle and, and long distance girls can do. So <clears throat> uh, you hadn't been to a track meet beforehand? No. Obviously, you're more of a distance-oriented runner. Yes. One event in track that you are not experienced in that you would really love to be good at. Like, I've always really wanted to be a high jumper, and I have absolutely zero ability in that area, but it looks so beautiful and graceful when it happens, and I always enjoyed teaching it. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite event that's kind of out of your area of expertise? The 400. 400. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that hurts. It hurts. Yeah. Yeah. In the four by four hundred, I actually I would love to be in the four by four hundred because yeah. I think that's most exciting. It is. It's a relay. fun way to end it's a meet, the, right? It is. Yes. You want to be the anchor there? Do you want to finish it off? Yes, that would be my dream. Bring it home. Because mm-hmm. I'm a slow, long distance runner. <laughs> yeah, right. So to hammer home on the yeah, relay at yes, the end. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So when I started the track team, I knew nothing about track. So we were on Jail Man's track, and. I had a I bought a book that said how to coach high school track and field <laughs> yeah. successfully and I had not ever seen a starting block so I had the girls out there and I opened the book and they're like seriously coach I'm like well you're st- I'm it yeah I'm the whole team coach mm. or I'm everybody I don't know anything about it so we have this book so we set the I said the the starting block they said you can use three sections I said, we're just going to go with the middle because that seems like average. So you're, at, like, you're referring to actually setting where the blocks are going to oh, be yeah. for them to mm-hmm. get into. Yes, yeah. right. Showing them the picture. I'm like, yeah, that looks pretty good. Go with the middle because mm-hmm. it's in mm-hmm. the middle. Yeah, okay. And so we didn't do a relay our first meet because I didn't know how to teach them. Exchanges. Right. Yeah. So we go to our first meet, and I look at it. I'm like, okay, no, I can't do the 4 by 100 but the 4 by 400 and 4 by 800 we can totally do that mm-hmm. relay. So I taught them that. We did that. And then a coach from jail man felt sorry for me. He saw me trying to coach the sprinters, and he came out and said, Marie, would you like me to teach your girls how to do the handoff of the 4 by one I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love you to. So he did that, and so then that was the story. <laughs> and, then it, and so it began. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, We'll wrap it by saying, first, a great coach is willing to continue to learn and doesn't believe that he or she already knows everything. Uh, And you proved that you're willing to learn. (laughs) And 
this attitude and approaching life and running with gratitude, it makes me think of Emil Zatopek, legendary distance runner, multi-time Olympic champion, referred to the distance runner is best when he runs with a dream in his heart. And I, I think that you are doing a, a great job in promoting that and the kids that you get to work with. So thank, thank you. you very much for coming in. Thank you it, so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Good luck this season thank and you. track. We we'll look forward to seeing you there. And then again next fall on the cross-country course. Yes, sir. Thank right. you. You're very welcome. All right, that is it for mile 26 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. Please reach out to us at secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com with any comments, thoughts, show ideas. We'd love to hear from you as always and look forward to being back with you next time soon. And also coming up here in March, we got some big time giveaways, all kinds of goods coming your way. So stay tuned and we will see you next time on mile 26.2 marathon special. Everybody have a great week. Bye.